0: This week on The Futurists, Dr. Martha Buchenfeld.
1: Money is gone as we know it. There is no money.
0: Hey there, welcome back to The Futurists. I'm Rob Tercik, and I'm thrilled to have my co-host Brett King here with me this week. Hi, Brett. How you been?
2: hey good yeah writing in writing mode today so uh starting you know getting trying to get this other book out so
0: yet another book good i just did a big piece myself on uh copyright in the age of artificial intelligence which turns oh. out to be a really interesting topic i know yeah. people are like ready to fall asleep when they hear it but it actually turns out to be quite good um man do, do, you, there you, think is-
2: it, do you think that we have to completely revisit the concept of intellectual property in the ai world
0: well, I think, you know, the listen, the principles of intellectual property have been around for 300 years. I don't think that's going to change. It's just that that's not necessarily the right tool to govern AI right. with. And so people are trying to force fit AI into copyright. It doesn't fit neatly. And uh, there are a dozen cases coming now against AI right. companies. Um, they're all going to fail. Uh, that's my prediction. that They are not going to be successful copyright infringement lawsuits. But watch this space Uh, coming soon. We'll have a couple of experts from the field come in and they can correct me where I'm wrong.
2: Yeah. I mean, at what point does it, um, you know, in generative AI, at what point does it diverge enough from the seeding seeded data that it's no longer representative of the seeded data, you know, like that's- Well, the, that...
0: the AI companies would say immediately, right? Because when you're training right. something on on billions of parameters, really hundreds of millions of texts, it's very hard to say like this particular text. Now the lawsuits are going to try to make that case and to prove it, they're going to have to show first that the, the data, that the system was trained on that particular book or, you know, that particular right. work. They and then they'll have access. to show points of similarity um, and then they'll have to show that there was commercial damage that somehow that reduced the the commercial right. prospects for the original book that's going right. to be an extraordinarily difficult thing to do so yeah. let's hold that for a future show
2: um yeah we, we should definitely get into it I, I mean I do think that um you know there are sort of clear cases of IP uh, and uh, you know a recording artist that's that's uh, having AI or AI produced tracks uh, movie stars uh, you know in in you know they're there there yeah, are opportunities and actually been. there
0: are fantastic yeah. opportunities and right now everybody's obsessed right now with protecting yeah. what they've got and hanging out to the stuff from the past. No, I, I think Instead as an act of
2: being thing. able to just rent out your, you know, Bruce Willis would have been very happy to do that, I think, yeah. in <laughs> recent true. times, you know, um, just renting out his uh, digital identity to, to produce, although there, there's some controversy surrounding that. But why don't we get into our yeah. guest for today? So let's, so
0: let's introduce our guest. So today we have a guest coming to us from Spain by way of Switzerland, Dr. Martha Buchenfeld. Dr. Martha Buchenfeld, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure welcome. to have you with us today. Well,
2: maybe maybe it's us that's welcome to the Martha verse, which is what you like to talk about your uh, your view. But uh... let's get into the Martha verse. Tell us about
0: that.
1: Yeah, Sorry. thanks a lot. Uh, super excited being here and welcome to the Metaverse, as you say. And I would say that Kingverse would also be another name which
2: might <laughs> reveal revealing. Kingdom. It's the kingdom, right? It's the kingdom. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. We have already with Fortnite, we have a lot of kingdoms. So maybe we don't need that anymore.
2: Well, great. So um, for those that uh, um, aren't familiar with you, you are the Dean of the Metaverse Academy. Um, You're an ambassador for the All-Stars Woman uh, DAO. You're also um, previously a digital platform advisor at UBS and currently on the board of directors of Generali in uh, Switzerland. Um, You spend your time between Switzerland and Spain. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. That's
2: great. Between the snow and
1: the sun.
0: Yes, sounds sounds pretty hard to beat. That sounds very nice. Um, What's the most focused? Like, what's the busiest thing that you're that's that you're working on right now?
1: Uh, the business thing is uh, working with brands and the focus is really on education. Uh, so it could be startups or it could also be uh, what we call incumbents, so banks. It's very interesting when they come and have all these ideas about what they want to do and they, uh, they don't really know where to go, but they have clear ideas. They want to be in decentralized, or uh, for those who don't know, it's a blockchain-based metaverse. Uh, where some of the big guys are, even uh, though maybe not many people go there, uh, or Sandbox or the like. Uh, but I think it's very important that you start with the experiences. So I am focused on providing experiences in Metaverse. So now I have my own Metaverse created exactly for that purpose so that I can train people, understand what are the use cases, what this is for. How should they focus also really to create something which is outstanding for their brand? What How they, how they can be also very loyal to what they do today, like Lego, very, being very loyal in everything they do to uh, creating something where they educate children and also educate parents and having this interconnection between parents and children. And I think that is loyalty to your brand. This is true value. And what we have in terms of emerging tech is not much different.
0: Okay, so I, I want to get into this. We've had a number of guests on the show who talked about the metaverse, including um, Mark Pesci and uh, Tony Parisi, who actually invented it back in the 1990s. Uh, each of them came on the show and spoke about what they're doing um, and, um, and some of the new projects that they're, they've been working on. Uh, it's been a lively topic for us here, and it keeps coming back. But lately, the metaverse has been kind of on the downslope. You know, the, the past year has been very tough on the metaverse. First, uh, Facebook got clobbered. You know, their, their investors bailed out. The, price, the share price dropped by 60 70%. Uh, tremendous setback for them. That hasn't deterred Mark Zuckerberg. He continues to invest. Apparently, he invested about $40 billion total in building out Facebook's version of the metaverse, um, but in general. The view has been that this is not something that's taken off yet or it's quite clicked yet with the public. Can you talk a little bit about the state of the metaverse today?
1: Yeah, I think it's a big misconception uh, because um, Facebook rebranded to Meta that yeah. everyone immediately says, okay, the Metaverse is Meta. So that is in my view completely wrong <laughs> because you have a lot of use cases and one of the biggest one, and we know that's the most highly valued company right now is Nvidia. They are working uh, with the so-called Omniverse where they create and help companies uh, with industrial Metaverses. So Siemens, BMW, all the big companies have a digital twin of their now of their entire processes of their creative teams and so on so they have digital avatars digital twin ai you name it and that is much bigger than excuse me uh when you say our, uh, meta has invested 14 billion i mean this is peanuts we had in 2022 we had vcs investing in web 3 and metaverse and basically all i wouldn't say all one thing but different layers of what is coming uh right. so People said the Metaverse is dead because Meta basically is not successful. But that's, Well, hang
0: on. It's not just Meta's failure, and it is clear. It's Meta, an
1: AI uh, but, and spatial is, computing, but if you think yeah, yeah, about it. Okay, the, but you're throwing a whole race. bunch of turns.
0: Let's let's break them apart here because uh, I'm yes. asking about the Metaverse. We can certainly get yeah, into this AI. Is, we, this we is the thing. I, I, it,
1: no, like, no, no. But I think the misconception is one, Metaverse is not Meta, and two, Metaverse is not something separate. It's not a space where you go to, even though I have my Metaverse, you go to. The mm. metaverse. And there's a very, very excellent layer chart from John Reddorf years ago, where I said it's the seven layers of the metaverse. You have the infrastructure, you have AI, you have spatial computing, you have augmented reality. It's all part of it. Yeah, but but no not- one
0: is using that stuff. I mean, just let's, to be, let's be clear. No one's using it. When you go to Decentraland or if you go to Sandbox, you mentioned those two decentralized versions of the metaverse they are complete failures there is no one there the server it might say there's 700 people on the server but
2: you will see no one yeah, but again I, I think i see where math is going with this this is a slice of the metaverse it's a it's a metaverse environment but metaverse as a competency or as an arena involves the whole digital twin concept it involves um you know the concept of digital assets you know so this is i mean this is a bit contentious but you know when tony parisi and mark pesci come on the show and they talk about web3 they're talking about the 3d web Right. But when we talk about web 3D in the metaverse perspective, we're now talking about the third generation of web. And that includes sort of this basic infrastructure around digital assets and. and um, um. That's uh, the know, decentralized web, web. Sure. But, but that also, but, let's but, be clear, just no one's in, using that either. I well, mean, but I mean, hang on, crazy. dude. Look at what, Shanghai just announced a, basically a trillion dollar digital asset infrastructure play today.
0: Okay, plenty right, of so, people are investing, and it is like but, a black hole that absorbs an enormous amount of
2: cash. The point if is if that you're no thinking consumers
0: of, are using any of this stuff today. Right, but but there's a future in this space?
2: The big part of the metaverse, uh, you know, and Martha, jump in here. I think the big part of the metaverse is smart contracts, and it's That's the digital free. representation. That's, no, no, of you're
0: just... Oh,
2: okay, so no. I, see no, what's I think
1: if, if I may, if I may say, so there is. Um, I would say no one knows what the metaverse really is. So you ask different experts; they have different de- uh, definitions. But it's very clear: it's the next generation. And if we talk about the vision, it's something different from what also uh, Brett you described. The little pieces of the puzzle, like is you have a world which consists of different countries, but each different country doesn't mean it's a world. So it's the same with the metaverse. So you have different, you have Decentraland, you have Sandbox, you have Meter. Uh, and no one's
0: d- using any of them. The point I'm making is very simple. It's all these things are being built and enormous amounts of cash are being burned, but there's no evidence of traction with consumers. To the Industrial <laughs> versus is a separate topic. So don't no, 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 to no, no, Let's no. talk about yeah, this not, one and then we'll turn. A, s- please, please, Martha, please, Martha, hang on. Let me just finish the sentence because I really want to make the point clear because it's a little confusing from this conversation. I'm asking one specific question, which is about consumer adoption. And now you guys are talking about web3, you're talking about decentralization, you're talking about smart contract. That's all separate. I'm asking one simple question. Who's using the metaverse today? Who?
1: So there is, which I agree uh with you as always as we have an innovation and we you are very well aware of hype cycles. So we are not even at the hype with metaverse. So we start we have an innovation trigger. Uh, we are before, in my view, before the hype cycle. So it's the same as we, the typical example was the smartphone. How many people have used the smartphone at the beginning? So it's a normal, I would say, innovation cycle, and it's a normal for exponential growth. It starts very slowly. So if you ask who are the web street people, who are the people, for example, who come to my metaverse, So you, you know that spatial, usually when you have 50 people, wow, that's amazing. So I have since much. I have over, I have now 8,000 views, which is a great success. And I don't even have everyday events. So who's coming there? There are different people that are the web Webstreet, you can say native, but hang on, it's not the native who are 10, 15, 20 years old, is those who are 35 plus years old who are totally excited about Web3. And then you have those people I fortunately can take along because of my education and because of all the efforts I do, I take them with me. So they easily, easily get into this. And you said at the beginning you have been there, so you know it's by desktop. So there are a lot of, and it's Web2 based basically, also correctly pointing out. But in my view, we are on a journey. So saying today... No one is using it. Yes, it's correct because we are very, very early and we have an adoption curve, which we see slowly, slowly, slowly. And sometimes it's frustrating because you think, oh my God, am I alone? <laughs> no. But luckily, in the different networks, there are so many wonderful people. And I haven't seen, I have to say, the same uh, community building, the same dedication, passion in any other community before. I've been, as you said, in platform. Ecosystem digitization. This is different.
0: But but Second Life has been around for twenty years, and there's a million users. In other words, Second Life has a thousand times more users than any current metaverse. It's a significant
2: difference, right? So there I, is I, I an know. issue. With I, I would the, say the Roblox is. To I, this. I would say Roblox is a prototype metaverse.
0: Okay, sure. I mean, you can okay, you can just run with this thing and, and say anything's a metaverse, but that sort of dilutes the concept. In my perspective, I'm trying to get a clear understanding. There are plenty of projects where the founders of the project declared this is a metaverse. And it's a destination, as Martha pointed out. It's a sort of a 3D immersive site. Um, You could wear VR goggles, but no one does. And people who own VR, they use it twice a month on average. So this has been, I would say, immersive versions of digital worlds have not been very successful. Yes, game worlds have been extraordinarily successful. And it's clear that the game companies have the best opportunity. What's puzzling to me is why aren't more metaverses a game? It clearly works. People understand yeah, the game. Okay, that's why also to your
1: point, I think you have maybe not the right statistics for Sandbox. It's not that Sandbox is not successful. They are one of the blockchain-based uh, I, basically, applications which are more successful because they have games, and as we know, we have three billion gamers. And those three billion gamers are not all fifteen to twenty years old; they're also older because the gaming aspect is also. Uh, that's why Spatial has started to to introduce the gaming, and in Spatial, they're forty plus year old. You know, they're the old guys like us here on the call. You can say the normal guys because we it's intuitive.
2: I it's resemble easier. that. Company.
1: I mean, <laughs> just last night, I was looking
0: video. at I was looking at some reviews of Spatial to get ready for this interview, and they said Spatial is a lonely experience, and that was my experience of it as well. There's nobody there.
2: Uh, look, you we have don't have no, to beat the
0: horse to death.
2: Yeah, let's, a move, let's, ago let's, is, move is let's move. Let's move on. And no, industrial
0: metaverse. hang, it's hang on. So, yet. sorry, hang on, Martha. Sorry. Industrial metaverse is a separate topic, and it's quite an interesting one. And there are a growing number of people who believe that we're going to build a metaverse by building a network of digital twins. These are 3D representations of real world facilities, say typically a factory, sort of an advanced manufacturing factory, but increasingly they're getting larger scale. So now we're starting to see digital twins that are city scale or digital twins of airports or other complex industrial uh, enterprises. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Because that might be an interesting topic for us to cover since you mentioned it.
1: Yeah, I think we are beating the horse to death. Just I don't give up on the B2C B two side. So first of all, clearly, Industrial Metaverse, it's I think in very short terms, is more or less NVIDIA, who is very, very focused on that. You have now also Mi- Microsoft raising their hands, but you have the big guys, you have the Siemens, you have the BMW, you have really beautiful use cases. And Microsoft
0: yeah, closed their Industrial Metaverse team. They, they shut that down. They're pivoting to AI, which actually, candidly, most companies are pivoting to AI. Because we're Microsoft seeing the take-up, we're seeing the adoption there. There's hundreds of millions of people using AI, unlike the metaverse.
1: A couple of days they announced that they are very focused on the industrial metaverse. They haven't closed it down at all, Yeah, Microsoft. But oh. put it aside, I think there yeah, are...
2: lanes are still a big part of their... Uh-
1: yeah, yeah. Let's put it aside and just say there is a huge traction on the industrial metaverse, as you say. There are tons of applications. One I personally very, very much like is the uh, Twin of the Earth, which NVIDIA is working on for climate change, for simulations. And you, the, when you say virtual worlds, you use virtual worlds, you use digital twins, you use AI, You use what they call the Omniverse, which is really, really beautiful. The other application where it's heavily used, and that's not only industrial, is in healthcare. So there are a lot of applications also where you use digital twin of human beings uh, for virtual trainings for doctors, but also one where they have separated co-joint twins with expert from London doctors and expert from Brazil. So this is also one of the applications. Definition of the metaverse is vague and is big. So there are applications, but I don't deny that when you go to spatial, you feel lonely because if there is no event, what can you do there? Same for the others. So what is hindering the adoption? I think that is more the question and you named it. We don't want to run around with this big headsets. We don't. So now Apple has made a big thing about spatial computing It's basically augmenting everything, but you also have an immersive button. So this will change, even though you say it's heavy, it's big. Then you have human. I don't know if you've seen that the AI pin, beautiful from one of the people who work basically at Apple, one of the big guys. Uh, he has founded this company and you, you must look at this because there's, a convergence of technology, which is quite different from when we had Second Life 10 years ago.
0: So this convergence of technologies is going to take a certain amount of time. Uh, I think a lot of people have been very enthusiastic about it, particularly people coming from crypto after 2017, where they felt like there was momentum. Of course, crypto goes in spikes. So, of course, you know, there's a, a period of momentum and then there's a reset. That seems to be the case, the pattern there. Uh, but the idea was that we were going to move into a decentralized web. An enormous amount of money was invested in that
2: space, and a huge number of startups <laughs> were created. I, I want to take this in a slightly different direction, Robert. Um, you know, again, as a, as a futurist, you know, um, I mean, I think it's just a timing issue, right? Well, that's um, what I was I about think, to say before you jumped in. I, I, but yeah, that's the point yeah, I'm making. You know, it's going so to take I, time to build this infrastructure. De- right. Decentralized uh, web is a gigantic undertaking but but there's i i think um i mean you can argue about timing but i don't think there's any scenario where we don't develop this capability right because i don't know how you express the digital world and how you meld the digital and physical without these concepts right you know yeah. you'd, you you know you'd have to basically say listen like look you know um you know we can talk about meta but um you know, Apple has just entered into the spatial computing game yeah. and th- they're, again, blurring the lines of what the metaverse will be because they are clearly working towards a view of um, digital immersion into the physical space. Yeah, the
0: right? thing about Apple's entry in the space is that they're not using the term metaverse. They're just getting rid of it. they are well, probably from their because perspective it's it's radioactive. They're using
2: spatial computing, right? Um, but right. you know, if you're trying to argue what is the difference between spatial computing and metaverse, you know, you're gonna you're gonna run into very difficult definitions in terms of you know, you could say, no, 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 know, no, 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 no. That's not actually
0: actually there's nuance there that's worth unpacking because one thing that one thing that Apple did not show is an immersive 3D world. Right, they didn't show that. What they're showing is augmented reality overlays typically. Right. So they're saying, we're gonna bring 3D computing or what they're calling spatial computing into the workflow and into entertainment and into social space, but it's gonna be an overlay on the real
2: world. We, right. So we that's one approach. We, what we didn't see, but we know that they're working on it, right? Is that we didn't see them with a real world version of their AR glasses, where you could walk around on the street. You can't, you know, Vision Pro, you can't do that with, right? Mm-hmm. um...
1: Uh, I think Apple has been uh, doing an amazing job They avoided AI, the hyper, and they avoided the metaverse. So to your point, they have done augmented reality, spatial computing is part of this several layers of the metaverse, but they also have the magic pattern. So they have an immersive button where you can go into immersive worlds, but they know that the consumer is not ready for it. And they don't make it when you see all the movie they have done, the video, they don't make it a one-man show. You sit on the sofa, you can still, still see the eyes because the eyes for the interconnection are the most important. They have now also solved the haptic stuff because haptic is also so important for your brain. So they have been so smart in how they bring this to the world.
0: I agree with you on that. Okay. I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens with Vision Pro. Martha, at this point, we like to get our notes, get to know our guests better personally. And at this point, we're going to ask you a series of short questions before we take a break. Uh, Brett, why don't you go for
2: it? Let's do the lightning round. Okay, Dr. Martha. Um, first of all, what was the first science fiction you remember being exposed to? Uh,
1: the early version of Star Trek. And I was probably five uh, because my brother is 10 uh, five years older and he loved everything around it uh so we the two younger sisters were yeah, yeah. forced to watch it and also we played it so we we played Barbie later but we played first science fiction so I was uh, Captain Uhura, if you remember
2: <laughs> yes well, very good um no, what, te- what what technology do you think has most changed humanity AI. I think that will for sure. Um, name a futurist or an entrepreneur that has influenced the way you think and why?
1: Peter Diamandes.
2: The Singularity guy. We're going to have him on the show in a few weeks, right, Robert? Great.
1: No, maybe one other one which has impressed yeah. me over the last uh, couple of months Vishan from Mind Valley. I'm now following oh, him. Eh? Yeah.
2: him right okay. Cool.
1: I, I think he is. You I mean, have he's him on the show. It, it, I mean, he is, you should have him. Um, he is one, uh, he's now doing an AI course as well, which I'm joining uh, to become an AI evangelist. Um, so it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing Great. work.
2: What's the best prediction an entrepreneur, futurist or sci-fi practitioner has ever made, do you think?
1: In terms of prediction, again Peter Diamandis, he he has this quote where he says, "Before uh, it becomes a breakthrough, it's a crazy idea." And I think that holds true for any innovation we see.
2: Pretty much. Last one. Uh, This is a bit sci-fi, but what science fiction story is most representative of the future that you hope for? Are you going to say Ready Player One?
1: Dystopian future. Um, I don't. But, well, it doesn't think have to be they're... dystopian.
2: But you, you think No, it they're... doesn't
1: have to be dystopian. I haven't seen, to be honest with you, and I'm really, I love science fiction still. Um, anything which attracts me so much that I say I want to live in that future.
2: Okay. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Culture series from Ian Banks, and I don't mind the. Uh, the Blue Mars outcome for uh, the Martians from Kim Stanley Robinson, who we're going to have on in September. So, um, but anyway, um, but let's have a quick break. Um, you're listening to the Futurists. I'm your host Brett King with Rob Tersek. and uh, we have Dr. Martha Bo- Bockenfeld. Uh, we're going to be back right after this break to continue our conversation. Provoke Media is proud to sponsor, produce, and support the Futurist Podcast. Provoke.fm is a global podcast network and content creation company with the world's leading fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. And of course, it's spin-off podcasts, Breaking Banks Europe, Breaking Banks Asia Pacific, and the Fintech Five. But we also produce the official Finnovate podcast, Tech on Reg, Emerge Everywhere, the podcast of the Financial Health Network, and NextGen Banker. For information about all our podcasts, go to Provoke.fm or check out Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. welcome back to the futurists i'm your host brett king with rob tersek joining me in the hosting chair today um and uh we have uh we're we're into the martha verse not the metaverse the Martha verse. dr martha is uh with us um dr martha you know you you've got a bunch of you know quite impressive commercial credentials you know you've spent time working at some very serious organizations you still are you you, it's just been announced you're advising the g20 right now um which is all incredibly uh, impressive but when did you switch from being a digital um evangelist to being a futurist within the uh, within your career
1: i would say that that yeah, I switched uh, quite early. I have been very fortunate. I've been always uh, very, very much supported in what I'm doing. So even though I had like I was a CEO of uh, of a bank, I I had the liberty, or I wouldn't say even though, because I was a CEO of a bank. Also, I had the liberty to work with people who are. Uh, into new technologies. And the more you get into it, so I worked with uh, the digital lab from Deloitte, for example, if if you go there and see, and that was like, I would say six, seven years ago, and you see a 3D printer for food 10 years ago, and then you see our 3D and everything, you become like, wow, you know, this is already here. The future is now. It's not something which we have to think about In the future and then you start thinking okay if the future is now what does it mean so you feel around also in your management team maybe people are not yet there how do you get those people on board how do you bring them into the next level and what i realized very early on is it's 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 experiencing so everything you experience becomes real. And that's why I'm also so excited about virtual worlds. So even though I go in there with a desktop, as we discussed before with Web2, I sort of experience it in a different way. So everyone who has created an avatar immediately Things, okay, I want the avatar to be XY that, or when we have now Apple, I want my digital twin to be XY that because you feel it's your self extension. But then you also think about, okay, that's now. So if that is already the future, which is now, what's next? What's the next big thing, as Steve Jobs would say? What can we do with it? Because it's not like, okay, fine, I can go on virtual worlds, but what does it mean for us? What does it mean for society? And that's where, when I started also to think about, okay, how can we change? How can I make a contribution and add value to this change?
0: What is the next big thing?
1: The next big thing for me is really it depends also on the timeline you are looking for with all the hurdles we have then well give we us guess.
2: give us 2020s, 2030s, 2040s. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Go yeah, further yeah. out. Yeah, sure.
1: Exactly. So let's say 2030, 2040. How can we to speak also a little bit with, with the worlds which uh, with the words which Peter is using, Diamandes and also Vishan is how can we create the world of ab- abundance for every one of us? How do we get there? So how do we create a world where we have this richness, not in terms of, yeah, I'm rich, I have money and so on, but with all the resources we have, we can all live a happy life. And how does it look like? Uh, So from my point of view, we should be able in 2040, even though we have lots of hurdles and it might sound idealistic, that climate change is no problem. So I just draw this picture because as you know, when you
2: draw... it's not a problem, but in the meantime, I, get the, I guess the question is, how many people have to die before we really...
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But we see now with the heat wave, everyone is suffering. As soon as people are suffering... Climate it, change
2: is here, right? Yeah, people yeah, are dying so, from climate change right now. Exactly. There's only that's one government it, that's doing anything uh, about it. The heat I mean, is here, but the
0: governments are unresponsive. Oh,
2: the UK just launched, said we're going to max out on oil and gas. I mean, it's crazy. Going the yeah, other but way. that's why I say experiences,
1: positive and negative. And when you feel it, the, you burn yourself. Yeah, yeah. Then you, know you need to do something. It
2: is, it is a burden, isn't it, Martha? Because yeah, I
1: mean, I mean, yeah, that's
2: the one thing when you when you are a futurist, when you're always extrapolating and forecasting and thinking of the future. You know, like that that example I just gave about the UK. It's like, how can we be so stupid? You know, like that we're doing this. I just watched Oppenheimer. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. it's saw last night, yeah. Yeah, a, a epic movie. Hmm. But what worries me about that is th- this is our modus operandi as humans. We just go out and do this stuff because we can and we'll worry about it later, you know. And here we have, you know, um, you know, uh, atomic bombs around the world enough to destroy the world many times over and yeah, hey, we kept burning fossil fuels because we're making a ton of money.
1: Also, fortunately, we have seen humanity is in a sense, uh, destroying themselves. So now the big question is, will AI decide for us because we are basically incapable of creating this world which I was just describing. So will AI be the better humans? So all of these kind of questions have to be solved. My view is not. Uh, so my view is still there's a big 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 part playing for humanity and if we do it right if we use ai correctly if we uh, use the ethical principles and everything we will come to a world where where everyone has access everyone has a possibility less people die you for whatever it's worth live longer but in a way and that's uh that's beauty but that's also the challenge how do we get that people still have this feeling of nature and still have this feeling of roots around them that they know where they come from that they know like the 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 old Greeks were saying cogito ergo sum so that i know where i belong to i think also AI things, question marks. So all these questions we have to solve. So it will not be as straightforward as we might believe. But I do believe in 2040, 2050, we have a completely different setup. And we should get enough people to get there. If you if you look at the world leaders. Uh, with some questions around those who who monopolize, like what scares me is people like uh, Sam Altman with WorldCoin or Elon Musk with the satellites. I mean, apart from the fact that he has killed the bird now, but is there, is there it's a war? Okay, I change my satellites and you get the internet over Ukraine. That, it sounds beautiful first, but the power those single people have in history.
2: Yeah, I mean- um, It's not I, always I'm, good. No, I really want to get- um, Ian Bremmer on Robert, you know, cause he, he's got a really, you know, with his G zero take, I don't know, you know, if you, if you're a fan of Ian, I'm a tremendous fan.
0: I'm interested. But, I think he's a provocative thinker. Um, I want to return to something. The, that the
2: whole technocracy issue that he raises the fact that, um, you know, there are technology well, it's individuals. An, and,
0: it's a point Martha just made, which is that, uh, yeah, you know, it seems like right. power is being concentrated in the hands of very few, very, very powerful and rich people. Um, and yet, Martha, you're optimistic about this scenario, this Peter Diamandis scenario of abundance. Now I've been hearing about abundance from him for many years, more than 10 years, he's been talking about it. And from everything I can see, we're not moving towards that. Everything I see is that for most of most people- have, They're abundance. living with less, they're having less money, they're having less opportunity. And now they're very fearful because it looks like AI might displace some or many of them. I don't know if I buy that whole scenario, but I'm trying to find out what gives you hope. Where do you find uh, inspiration or hope that we're going to be on the path of abundance? Because I really am curious to understand that.
1: I think it's a bit of a mixture of new technology, but also connecting. And that's what I'm trying uh, to explain or trying to also myself to, to connecting to your soul. Yeah. So how do you do this stretch of bows? And I, my, my network consists of people who come from very old traditions. So let's say they have a huge shaman uh, education. They might themselves come from this kind of origin where they draw on nature. And they have also this confidence of, yes, the world will be changing, but we are humans. And even we have all the fear. We always have fear. We always have fear about, uh, about AI, about something artificial, and, and stuff like that. But the confidence comes only from within. And you are exactly right. You have big power players, but when you see also the other people like Peter Diamanders, they are still there. Vision, they're still there. And what is exciting, and the shamans also there are. If you see the traction and Peter, when you have him on the show, by the way, use statistics. He will show you from his statistic how the world became more abundant already now. Despite- no, I agree
2: with that, but you know, we've also got the worst, you know, the, like Thomas Piketty says that the United States has the worst inequality of any modern nation of, at any time in history, right? You know, um, you'd have to go back to the Middle Ages to find worse inequality. Now, there are other countries on the Gini coefficient that have higher Gini coefficient, but, you know, this is the most powerful economy in the world, and you have more people living in poverty in the United States than in Mexico. Right. So you have 30 million Americans at any point could be evicted because they may not be able to afford their next rent check. You know, this and, is. And an reality.
0: entrenched political class that right. continues so to pass you,
2: legislation that favors
0: rich people. So, so the, who needs this, this
2: change to abundance? You know, it's not going to be the billionaires. It's not going to no, be. No, no, like it's like not going
1: to. Don't, don't forget. You don't forget the. I would say in a positive sense, also the the power of the people <laughs> and the power of certain people. So if you, if you can take not only as many people, but people who are maybe not the Microsoft, the Zuckerberg, the Steve Jobs uh, and those people, but you can take a lot of other people with you, this has huge power. And we have seen that also in history. And what we also have seen in history, as you correctly mentioned, there was always... Before something got better, it got worse. Yeah. In history, that was always the case. Unfortunately, I think also we have to live with the fact that some of it, some of the things will, in one way or the other, it doesn't mean atomic bomb. It might be something different. We haven't foreseen it as we have seen with COVID. Something will explode. But even COVID had some, I would say, positive connotation in the sense that we changed behavior we change behavior we are more conscious of the fact when we connect with people we are more conscious of the fact that we are person that we have humanity and we are more conscious of the fact that we are global but we are not global it's rubbish the globalization because data is not global so a lot of the things i hate covid and i really not i'm not who can be not hating covid but a lot of the things are kind of eye opener and that Eye-opening, which I have seen before, and all the actions also uh, from G20, financial inclusion through uh, because of COVID, is not meaningless. It goes in the right direction. So that's why I'm so confident.
0: Now, a lot of the technologies that you were talking about in the first half, um, things like decentralized web, Web3, uh, cryptocurrency, NFTs, uh, the uh, notion of a metaverse or some sort of immersive world... Um, These concepts all depend on network technology. They all ride on the network. And one thing we've noticed about network technology is that it tends to uh, have increasing returns to market leaders. In other words, the first company in the space or the dominant company tends to crowd out the others and take the lion's share of the value. We've seen that happen in a number of different fields. Social networking is certainly a good example of that. So it would seem to me then that one of the things we need to be concerned about if we want to move to a future of abundance is our reliance our dependence on network technologies, and our, we have to be very conscious of the fact that they tend to create market leaders that are so big they become planetary scale companies. In other words, that leads to you know these dominant figures we were talking about a moment ago, the titans so, of technology. I, I mean, this is in
2: techno-socialism. This is why I predicted that um, Elon Musk is going to be the first trillionaire because I think um, Starlink is going to put it over the top. But um, you know, uh, in ten years' time, um, if you expect- he's going to pay for the Mars mission with Starlink, which yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. A <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's brilliant
1: idea. Yeah, yeah. It's not only, I mean, it's the whole it's the whole ecosystem he created because if you look at it, he, I think uh, without doubt, he's the most powerful and most dangerous man in the world right now. Yeah, because he is exactly what you said. Everything is towards him. So this the other person just developing himself is Sam Altman, even though he talks the right talk, but also with WorldCoin. Worldcoin created a big controversy. I love the idea of identity, which you can take no matter where you go. Mm-hmm. But do I want to put it into one company? Obviously, company. They, yeah. they deny. Like if uh, it was,
2: if it was a, a, a collection of world governments, right? If it was the G20 that said, <laughs> let's do uh, this identity uh, system, um, you know, and the passport authorities of those governments got behind it, I'd have no problem. The right? yeah, exactly. big issue
0: with both ideas, whether it's a private company or a government, is that that's centralization. And I, I think the digital identity people are leaning towards yeah, decentralized the self, identity. The self-sovereign identity thing? I mean, uh,
1: blockchain. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, the blockchain and what it connects. I mean, the, the idea of the whole Web3, and, uh, people saying Web2 is already the idea of social capitalism and everything is gone. So why you believe in Web3? But we always get second chances. So not only second lives. Uh, from that point of view, I, I'm still convinced and said if we get enough leaders who might not be the trillionaires of this world up for like the futurists like you are and I'm I am and others are if we get them all up and getting the the people with them, we have a very, very good chance of success. And we also, as, as we said at the beginning, G20, we have this technology. So what going is doing it? Maybe G20 is not the right one. Who's the right one? The person themselves are the right one. If you can take responsibility for your own identity without Losing your key for it, which everyone will do anyway. But there will be other ways because we are now thinking in keys. We are now thinking in it, just we think very linear, but we have to think wider. Technology always there were people who develop technology. Like now, WorldCon has developed something everyone thought not possible. Now they develop it. And how they develop it, yeah, they do it. Yeah. So that gives me confidence in one sense. If they can do it, everyone else can do it.
2: Very cool. All right. So so um, let's let's delve a little bit more into the world of 2050. I know we've only got five minutes left, but um, describe for me the interactions digitally in the world of 2050 for an average person.
1: Money is gone as we know it. There is no money. Um, every one of us will have like a little bit like we had in old days will contribute to, to and create to something where their skills are, uh, and but we'll also be rewarded for it. So if you remember the very old days where you were living in your little town, this is just in a different way, in a digital way, because you now can subscribe to digital values and we cannot even imagine. You can subscribe something, creators, you, everyone can create, everyone can participate, and hopefully we also have less problems with health. I mean, I think health is one of the biggest uh, factors and in quotes, uh, in in very Lehman terms, we are happy with ourselves- On our
2: way to long-term longevity and curing all of the diseases, right?
1: Yes, that would be- that's a problem
2: for AI, essentially.
1: Why is this a problem for AI?
2: No, it's not a problem for AI. It's, It's the problem that AI solves. That's
1: probably, yeah, yeah. If you think again, I mean, science fiction tells us with Johnny Depp transcendence, where his brain was separated and lived longer than than he lived. That's obviously something, yeah, uh, going towards singularity, which I would hope uh, would not happen that someone again dominates. Uh, when when you say hope, it doesn't know. we don't know. We don't know. But we have to ha- have this clear, very clear picture in our mind. Imagine what is not imaginable not right now and say, this is what we want. We want everyone healthy. We want uh, a good life for everyone. Everyone is contributing to this in one way or the other because everyone has a super, super great skill set. And how can we nurture and how can we make benefit of this value creation of
2: Every person. So it's a lot more, sounds a lot more cooperative. But in in the most recent uh, global event that we had with COVID, we had um, very detailed plans for cooperation and they sort of broke apart. But we have had instances of global cooperation, you know, in the past, Um, the Human Genome Project, um, you know, is is one example. Um, But, you know, what's going to get us to work together? Do you think it's AI and climate change that matures humanity to to be more of a a unit as a species? I think
1: one, unfortunately, is always a crisis, like you mentioned before, COVID, climate change, burning. And then what we as human beings have realized over hundreds and thousands of years, we can live without food, we can live without water, but we cannot live without community. So the community aspect will come much, much more out. And you see that I think millions of people also, you mentioned the US, have uh, suffered from mental depression. Yeah, guess why? It's not only because they don't have enough money, but it's the whole society so this is what and what needs to be changed and it can be changed so
2: you're instead. talking about a, a i mean uh, this is the argument i'm going to make with peter actually when he comes on the show is i don't think you can have a post scarcity abundance world with capitalism so Um, what's gonna be the end of capitalism? I mean, I just had a conversation with my good friend, you know, Jeff, Bai tonight. We're sitting over uh, dinner at coffee club here in Bangkok and we were chatting about this. And uh, I was just saying to him, you know, I was talking about this stuff and he's like, I don't see it. I don't see capitalism coming to an end, you know, not for hundreds of-
0: It's hardwired in the society and culture. Um But that's
2: what has to happen.
1: Remember also the next generation. What are their values? What are their
0: generational shift? I do firmly believe that there's there's merit to that. You know, there's merit to that, and and you'll that's that's palpable, right? So you have a a much greater commitment to climate consciousness in people who are under thirty. It's their world.
1: all the Roblox and everything is built on collaboration It's built on. I create a game, but I don't create it for me. It's built on collaboration. So the younger generation, name it, alpha, gen set, whatever, they know how to collaborate. We just forgot yeah. how to do it. My, yes. my,
2: my youngest yeah. kids, they definitely fit into that. They don't, they don't see color, they don't see race, and, you know, they don't see uh, nationality. they just got friends all around the world that they're digitally connected to. I think that's going to really frame their future view of the world. Uh, so the, I, I, future,
0: and, the future is that the baby boomers have to die off and make space for genes yeah, to yeah. take over and replace our values with theirs. Uh, but that's well, what
2: happens, right? That's life, you know? Hopefully the longevity treatments won't kick in before the baby boomers are gone.
1: <laughs> so the all the all the people who don't know how to collaborate and create good communities. Well, you know, I I
2: mean, in techno-socialism, <laughs> I said that we've got to change from competing against other humans to competing for humanity. That's the big shift that climate and AI has to yeah, for for
0: fifty years. We've been brainwashed into believing that the market is the solution to everything. Garbage, and the market man. isn't the solution. It to
2: it hasn't solved climate change.
0: Yeah, the, you know? market's, the market's very effective for allocation of certain resources and it works really well. But yeah. that doesn't mean it works for everything. And it's a subset of society. It's not the macro set of society. I even think that society you, has other tools at its disposal. Yeah. Hopefully other generations will realize that and proceed from that perspective. Martha, do you have any uh, long-term vision you want to share with us? Something like, give us uh, something 50 years out. What will happen to Europe? What's the future in Europe mm-hmm. in 50 years? There's the UK well, back Europe-
1: in. No, Europe.
0: Europe. Well, you think it's going to break apart, the EU?
1: No, it doesn't have to do with uh, break apart. I think there's a global force for good and for bad. Uh, so there will be a global battle. As we know, US, China are already battle- battling like hell. The US is far behind what tech is in China, good or oh. bad. So how will this be solved? Really? Uh, but I don't think that Europe will We're about survive. to start another
0: episode here.
2: No. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well... Just look at the Shanghai announcement I sent you about blockchain it's, earlier. It's, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm such a skeptic.
0: And I know. Bad. like, No, you, you
2: <laughs> even signed with Greg Mitbo on my Facebook page about this. Come on, dude. <laughs> like, Come Americans
0: on. Americans have themselves worked up into no, a frenzy about you, China. Like, look, China's going to no take care of China. No we have in the handful.
2: <laughs> anyway. uh,
1: You bet. You bet. They're already taking care of you big time. So hey, and after, hey Martha, they are heavily investing. So
2: we, we, we have ran out of time. It's been, it's been a very dynamic conversation. Uh, can great. I ask you, um, how do people follow your musings? I, I know you um, have a big presence on, on social. So how do people follow what you're talking about and thinking about?
1: Uh, the best way to follow me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I am also a faculty member of the Fast Future Fundamentals, where we teach future trends. And that is another way of, of being part of a community which really looks forward in all aspects. So if he is there, some people might know for the future of money, there are people for health, for for everything. But uh, if you want to know more, uh, what I believe is the future and what you can do now, how to learn, is LinkedIn. Great.
0: Martha, it's been a pleasure having you on The Futurist this week. Thank you very much for joining us. And Brett, great to reconnect with you. We keep missing each other in our travels. I'm so thrilled to see you again. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to the folks at Provoke Media, particularly Kevin Hirschhorn, who is our producer and engineer, and Elizabeth Severance, our producer, and the rest of the crew at Provoke. They're the people that keep us going every week. Thank you all for your help. And thanks to our listeners. Your support makes such a big difference to us. I keep hearing back from people who like the show, who like these conversations, they're interested in the conversations we're bringing and the experts that we're interviewing. We want to hear more from you. So connect with us on social media. We're very, very happy to get that kind of feedback from our audience. And if you like the show, do us one favor, tell a friend, uh, help them find the show. There's a hell of a lot of podcasts out there, uh, but it turns out this one is really gaining traction. So we're thrilled about that. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. We will see you in the future. Well, that's it for The Futurists this week. If you like the show, we sure hope you did. Please subscribe and share it with people in your community. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review that really helps other people find the show. And you can ping us anytime on Instagram and Twitter at at futurist podcast for the folks that you'd like to see on the show or the questions that you'd like us to ask. Thanks for joining. And as always, we'll see you in the future.